Crimson Trace announces Link, the world's first wireless laser and white light system, combining a green laser and 300 lumen light with instinctive activation for AR-type rifles. Link, smart, simple, secure. Learn more at crimsontrace.com. National voice in defense of your Second Amendment rights. Gun Talk, available on iTunes and on the free Gun Dealio smartphone app for Android and iPhone. To be on the air with Tom, call us now, 866-825-5486 or 1-TOM-TALK-GUN. Now, here's Tom. Hey, welcome back. Tom Gresham here. It's Gun Talk. Remember, over on Twitter, I'm at Gun Talk and uh, posting a lot of news things there. If you want to stay informed, that's a really good way to do that. Just check it out on Twitter at Gun Talk. Our next guest is the author of a book that uh, I think will have a bigger impact on you, should you be smart enough to get it and to read it. Before I bring him in, I want to read uh, just a little paragraph here just to show you what a good writer he is. Starts off. As a kid, I lived in a 1920s farmhouse in the waterfront town of Port Orchard, Washington. The big white house sat on a hill overlooking a large grass field next to a wooded piece of state land. Through the years, parts of that field raised vegetables, gardens, goats, pigs, and chickens. But more importantly, it raised children. Born in 1970, I grew up in an era without video games when you could only get four television channels and cartoons only aired on Saturday mornings. Our field was the neighborhood rally point where we played hide-and-seek, tag, kickball, football, and baseball. We dug holes and climbed trees. We built forts and strong friendships. Now that's some good writing right there. It's my true pleasure to welcome Andy Brown, the author of Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies, at Fairchild Air Force Base. Andy, welcome to Gun Talk. Hey, thanks, Tom. I've been a fan of the show for a while. Thanks for having me. Well, I am so glad I got a copy of the book. Thank you so much. Um, for those, just kind of give them, because we just don't have that enough time to do this book justice. It is a dense book. Years and years and years of research into this. Talk about the twin tragedies. You had a crash at Fairchild Air Force Base just a few days separated from a mass shooting. You document the path of this fellow who is end up, ends up murdering people that you ended up having to stop. The whole time I'm reading it, I am just wanting to scream at every opportunity that was missed. He was identified as, as troubled, as mentally troubled, as dangerous. How did it get through so many people to get to the point where he's actually going into the hospital and shooting people? That's, that's a good question. There were several missed opportunities, and I think that these incidents share that as a commonality in all of these active shooting or active killing incidents. The media initially will report that nobody could have seen it coming, no one could have predicted it, but if you go back and look, there's several warning signs and red flags that uh, people identified but then failed to act on them or their superiors failed to act on them. It, it's, it seems to me, and the, the, the warning here is for everybody, whether you're a boss, an administrator, a business owner, or just a co-worker, 
to, to not just shrug and go, well, yeah, he's just crazy or he's a little goofy or he makes me uncomfortable or he scares me. But people who said that, they, it's more difficult to do the confrontation and say, okay, we're going to fire this guy. We're going to get him out of here. We're going to do something about this as opposed to just going, oh, well, you know, that's just kind of how it is and it would be easier not to do anything about it. Yeah, a lot of people are in denial. They just hope nothing will happen. That's one reason why I wrote the book and put such a detailed history of this former airman's progression toward his crime so that people could see how he progressed toward the crime and how his mental state was deteriorating to where he thought violence was his only solution. Okay, so when this thing starts, you're a law enforcement officer on the Air Force base. Shots get fired, and you jump on a bicycle and you're pedaling toward the shots, but your preparation didn't start there. You spent years, and this is what I want to touch on, you spent years making yourself a warrior. Is that fair? Yeah, you could say that. Like I mean, a lot of you, people in law enforcement, you can't live in denial. You have to prepare yourself for the possibility of a lethal force encounter and prepare yourself for it. You talk about one of the things that I like to talk about a lot, which is you did the visualization the you went there mentally hundreds if not thousands of times of if this happens i would do this if this happens i would do this what will i do if this doesn't work i mean on and on right yep that way i won't be in denial when it does happen and i'll be able to just react all right Uh, people keep telling us handguns are self-defense tools they're only good to a certain distance the fight you're in you're probably just going to end up shooting real close up and it's going to be two to five yards on average blah 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 when you finally had to shoot this guy, he's got a rifle, you've got a Beretta 92. How far away was he? Well, at the time, he looked pretty close. I encountered him out in front of the hospital, and he was in the middle of a road as I rode up on him. Um, he was firing it, and when I challenged him, he fired in my direction. And I figured if I could see him, I could hit him, but I had no idea that he was uh, 70 yards away when I actually made the shot. 70 yards with a 9mm pistol, a double-action pistol, although you fired, I think, two or three shots, and you ended up shooting single action. But you had, again, you had made yourself a good shot. You you were, but it, would it be fair to say, at that point, you were confident of your ability to make the shot? I was. I, like I said, if I figured if I could see him, I could hit him. And I had been practicing with my personal weapon, which was a clone of the M9, so that mm-hmm. I could be more proficient. I practiced a lot of long-distance shots. Okay, so you practice a lot. You were physically fit. You were able to ride the bike there. You had gotten yourself mentally where you needed to be. You were a true warrior and a protector of people. Do you remember at all what you were thinking or what was going through your head as you see this guy turn, he's shooting people and turns and starts firing at you with a rifle? I was pretty much just focused on the fundamentals of, of marksmanship, just mm. the trigger trigger press and sight alignment. Mm-hmm. Just do what you had to do. Yep, just focusing on the, the task, not the goal. All right. Well, the, I want to tell people that this book, let me give this out again. This, the, the title of the book is Warnings Unheeded. I'm going to just bypass the, although the, the aviation parts are fascinating too. I happen to be a pilot, so... Uh, that really appeals to me because, once again, people ignoring a hotshot uh, pilot who's out of control and eventually ends up crashing a B-52, for heaven's sakes. 
but you go into a fair amount of detail building up to this, but also the aftermath. And that's the part I think a lot of people don't talk about. It was, yes, you succeeded. Yes, you stopped the, the attack. You saved people's lives. To what extent was it really hard on you after that? It was uh, difficult. The trauma of all the, the after, of the aftermath. It, it it didn't bother me that I had to shoot the gunman, and taking his life was it didn't bother me at all. But knowing that in the two minutes before I got there that he had wounded twenty two and killed five, I beat myself up about that. That I figured it was my responsibility to save the people who were at the hospital that day, being that it was a a gun free zone and a, law enforcement was the only people allowed to to carry the defensive tools needed to stop that individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did have a lot of uh, guilt, and I kicked myself thinking I could have got there faster. I didn't realize at the time, but I'd responded in less than two minutes and, and stopped him. But I did experience quite a bit of uh, post-traumatic stress-like symptoms in the aftermath. It took quite a while to work through it. And, and what you've learned since then, of course, is this is fairly common uh, we know that law enforcement officers often uh, it costs them marriages, it costs them jobs. Uh, alcohol is often a, an issue after the fact. This is a tough part, that, and it's the part that people don't talk about, is it? Yeah, that's one another reason why I wrote the book was to share my experience with the, the aftermath and the trauma to let people know that it is a normal experience. It's a normal reaction, and that you shouldn't mm-hmm. uh, shouldn't be any stigma associated with seeking help for it. What are you doing these days? I work for the Border Patrol in Spokane. Cool. And I'm raising a young family. That's so. outstanding. Now, do you? And I'm, I don't know. Do you have an affiliation or some kind of connection with uh, Marty Hayes, the Fires and Academy of Seattle? I do. Marty and I first met in 2009 when I was taking a a class with Masad Ayub. Marty was hosting mm-hmm. Mass's class back then. And since then, he's had me come and help him teach a new active shooter interdiction class that he's developing. So I get to see him maybe two, three times a year. That is outstanding. I, I tell you, uh, the, the book is titled Warnings Unheeded by Andy Brown. Andy, we could spend an hour. I don't have it. I am out of time. I just want to tell people to absolutely go get this book. It's dense. You will dive into the middle of it. It will capture you, and it won't let you go. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for stopping this guy. Thank you for being who you are, man. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. I look look forward to meeting you and shaking your hand. Sounds good. All right. You take care. All righty. Andy Brown. Yeah, the book is Warnings, Unheeded Twin Tragedies at Fairchild Air Force Base. You don't often hear me say this get this book. We'll be right back. Laser sights enhance shooting fundamentals, sight alignment, and trigger control. Training with laser sights increases muzzle awareness, improves and corrects sight alignment at sight picture, and aids in acquiring and maintaining sight picture in low light conditions. Call 800-442-2406 or visit crimsontrace.com for a free copy of our laser training video, The Laser's Edge, and learn why Crimson Trace is making laser sights standard equipment. Attack. 
attacks happen every day. How will you react? See real people put into real-life criminal attack situations on First Person Defender. Discover what works and what doesn't. Kidnapping, ATM robbery, home invasion, and other attacks. Learn how to save your life and the lives of your family. Get the entire first season on DVD at ShopGunTalk.com. Get prepared. ShopGunTalk.com. Are you looking for a place to shoot? The National Shooting Sports Foundation has a great website called wheretoshoot.org. It's the largest database of shooting ranges on the Internet. It's also a great resource for shooters where you can find video tips, printable targets, and a lot more. Find it online at wheretoshoot.org. And while you're there, download their free iPhone app. That's wheretoshoot.org. This land, once wild and free, fades now from our memory. But I remember what it was like, what we were like, what we are capable of when we band together. Perhaps more than any other landscape, wetlands embody the life-giving abundance that nature has to offer. And perhaps more than any other organization, Ducks Unlimited is working to ensure that our continent's wetlands not only survive, but thrive for generations well beyond this one. These natural wonders are where waterfowl begin their cycle of life, where the deer and the antelope play, and where we, the people, gather together to see and share what makes the outdoors so great. The time is now to band together with organizations like Ducks Unlimited. The time is now to rescue our wetlands. Why do hunters and shooters love the Ruger American Rifle? With right-handed and left-handed versions, all-weather, Magnum, Compact, Predator, Ranch, and Scope package options, there's a Ruger American for everyone. Lightweight with an adjustable trigger and minute of angle accuracy, Ruger American Rifles pack in the features. Is the Ruger American the best rifle on the market? See for yourself at your local retailer or at Ruger.com. That's Ruger.com. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. I tell you, that, that, that book, we just uh, interviewed Andy Brown. Warnings Unheeded is the name of the book. Uh, you don't often get to talk to somebody who stops a mass murder and a guy who makes a 70-yard shot with a 9mm pistol to stop a guy with a rifle. Headshot, by whom I might just mention. Uh, most impressive individual. Uh, speaking of impressive individuals, our next guest, a friend of mine, and he has been in the forefront of the gun rights movement and preserving and regaining gun rights for Americans. Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. Alan, welcome. Hey, good to be with you, Tom. Absolutely. We're going to be getting together here before too long at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. I can't wait. It'll be good to get to see you again, too, and you get to emcee the big awards luncheon. So that should be real super. You know what that means? That's a free lunch, baby. (laughs) (laughs) The only problem is everybody else gets a free lunch, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it comes in a box. <laughs> That's right. It's a, Okay, it comes in a box, but it is true. The, the lunch is free to everybody. Uh, the weird part is, and it is weird to me, 
the entire gun rights policy conference is free to attend. It's just crazy. And you come away with more books and material than you can physically carry. It's it's just nuts. How long has GRPC been going on? I think this is the 32nd annual gun rights Jeez. policy conference. It's actually older than a couple of my grown children. And uh, <laughs> we're just very fortunate and very lucky that we have enough corporate sponsors to help put it on so that it's free. And, you know, the meals are free. The attendance is free. Uh, the, the books you get are free. Uh, it's, it's an amazing event. It really is, and uh, going to be in Dallas this year. If you want information on it, you can go to the SAF web- website, saf.org, and it'll have the information on GRPC. One of the things that uh, Second Amendment Foundation does so well, Alan, is uh, the litigation side of things and also just helping people get the word out. You did something recently that I thought was fairly interesting. You issued a travel advisory to gun owners basically to stay out of California. What was all that about? Well, as you know, Tom, and your listeners probably know as well, California over the last few years have enacted a lot of really restrictive, uh, punitive gun control laws. And if you don't live in California, you don't really know what those laws are. And coming in as a visitor with your firearm to protect yourself or your family on a vacation could put you in jeopardy, and you come, it could be very dangerous with you know, the government coming after you. Mm-hmm. So we put out a travel advisory to avoid California this summer. Uh, if you're vacationing or you know or traveling, go somewhere else because it's not gun friendly at all, and they've got become obnoxious to, to gun owners, particularly those from out of state who, who legally, in, in most ways, can't comply with the California laws because they're meant for residents of California. Mm-hmm. So you can't even ahead of time do something to make yourself legal to bring your gun there. Mm. So I mean, you, you could go there thinking, you know, as people have, hey, I'm obeying the law, I'm a good guy, I'm, I'm doing it all right, and then find out, oh wow, I violated a magazine limitation or a firearm limitation or, or something, and all of a sudden you get yourself in, in deep stuff. Yeah, like as an example, if your handgun happened to have a threaded barrel, it would be illegal, uh, no matter how big the magazine was. Mm. And so there's a lot lot of things there that are a problem. And if you're traveling in California, you'd have to have the uh, firearm locked up in one box, uh, not accessible to the driver, and the ammunition stored somewhere else, not accessible to the driver. Uh, and if you got stopped for a traffic ticket and it wasn't the case, you could you could you, had, you could end up spending your vacation in a California jail. Oh, gosh. Uh, how's the reaction been to that? I'm sure uh, some people are going, "What is that?" Well, it's actually the reaction's been amazing. It's gone viral on the internet, and we've hit a, a lot of major uh, national news uh, outlets as well. But I, I, I was amazed how, how it went so viral on the internet. And it's interesting; it's the only negative pushback we've gotten. Mm-hmm. A few people are saying, well, how come you didn't put one out from my state? I live in New York, and it's horrible. I live in New Jersey, and it's horrible, too. <laughs> yeah, how about uh, New, Cal- York, New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah, but the problem, though, is California, has, is they're all new laws that are put in place, and, and right. nobody has even had time to know what they are. Uh, and some of the directives of how to interpret those laws haven't even been issued by the state yet. So it's, it's, it's a scary situation for gun owners traveling to California right now. You have a lot of different uh, lawsuits going and uh, some very important ones. What's the process? How do you decide? Because I know people bring to you ideas for suits and, and injustice and things. How do you decide which ones to take? That's a great question. Uh, actually, we get from the general public probably a half a dozen uh, requests a, a week of uh, problems, potential problems that they're having, and they'd like litigation help. Uh that come in you know, directly to us. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, to our attorneys, that we have, we have a network of, of a little over a dozen key civil rights attorneys that work with us. 
they probably get about you know uh, a dozen a week is a week in total. So that's like eighteen. Uh, and then there's those ones we find on our own out there as well. So we're, we're probably looking at like uh, per week, twenty possible potential cases. Oh. And out of that, of course, you know we probably can only afford to pick one a week uh, at, at the most to be able to start to litigate. Right. So what we look first, what we look first of all is, can we knock a, an anti-gun law off the books? Can we take something away? So it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Uh, and the second thing we look at is uh, sometimes that's applied challenges, where if we can get enough victories on applied challenges, we can then change the law either legislatively, or it becomes a de facto uh, that the law, the law can't stand because you know you go to another another courtroom and you show the judge that as applied to all these other people, the judges have said the law is unconstitutional, so hmm. you shouldn't apply it to this person as well. Uh, and then we also take a look at a lot of these our laws, civil rights violation laws. Laws, that we hope we might be able to recoup part of our legal fees back uh, as a judgment against the ah. state or city that enacted those, mm-hmm. so that we can then, then take that money and recycle it into the legal action program and, and bring more suits. So we sort of look at it that way, and then our key attorneys all review the cases ahead of time to see if it fits our agenda, if, if it helps further what we're working on. Do we already have a whole lot of suits in that kind of area filed so that if we file this one, it doesn't do a whole lot to further our agenda because we already have something in progress. And that sort of what we use to make our decision. The other thing actually that's important is the, pl- the plaintiffs. We want sympathetic plaintiffs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times somebody will come to us with a possible su- suit, but unfortunately they're not really a great plaintiff because of things that happen in their background or, or, or uh. their employer or something else. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful when we pick, when we pick a plaintiff. That's right, because you, you don't want somebody to be able to come back and say, well, he's basically a bad guy. Yeah, he's right on this one, but he's not a good a good guy anyway, so that kind of hurts the suit. Hey, Alan, I'm going to ask you to hold over because uh, I know there are other things we need to talk about. One of them is um, kind of the landscape and how it's changed, good or bad, right now for gun rights in the courts and what's going on with uh, Donald Trump appointing appointing judges out there we'll be talking about that it's uh, we're talking with alan gottlieb from the second amendment foundation if you would check it out it's saf that's sierra alpha foxtrot.org and you can see man, a lot of lawsuits uh takes a lot of money to do all that and uh, also the gun rights policy conference i'm telling you if you get a chance if you're anywhere near dallas you need to make the drive or fly in it's going to be right by the airport Go to saf.org to see the information on Gun Rights Policy Conference. All right, I'm Tom Gresh. We'll be back with more information about what's going on in the courts on gun rights cases. Sign up for our Gun Talk newsletter and join the Truth Squad at www.guntalk.com. Now, back to Gun Talk with Washington Times opinion page regular contributor, Tom Gresham. All right, back with you. Yeah, matter of fact, you can sign up for the Truth Squad and get our uh, newsletter, which goes out weekly now. And it comes, it's free. It's in your uh, inbox. Just go to guntalk.com. By the way, speaking of free, we have Gundelio app where you can just save gazillions of dollars, and it just goes on your smartphone, and you find out about cool deals, you know, extra magazines, special promotions. It'll also give you a little bit of a, a ding sometimes when you go into a gun store and tell you about some kind of a new uh, deal or something that's available, things that you might not have known about otherwise. It's called Gun Dealio, and you just go to gundealio.com or get it off the the App Store, or Google Play for your Android. All right, we're talking with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. 
Alan, how long has uh, SAF been around? Nin- SAF's been around since 1974. So, uh, I mean, we've got a pretty long track record at this point. And, and mm-hmm. approximately, I'd like to point out that a little over 80% of the case law supporting Second Amendment rights has been made by Second Amendment Foundation lawsuits and or our attorneys. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And I know you work with, as you say, a dozen or more attorneys out there, including some very notable ones uh, in some Supreme Court cases and you know, a lot of lower court cases. And that's what I want to talk about for right now, because uh, only one or two percent of the cases that are appealed to the Supreme Court actually are accepted. Everything else gets decided at a lower court uh, level. And that's, I think, maybe where Donald Trump is making some impact. Yes, well, of course, he's made some big impact at the U.S. Supreme Court with the Gorsuch nomination and confirmation Mm -hmm. as well. But so far, we we have a judicial accountability project here at the Second Amendment Foundation that monitors all the court appointments uh, to the federal bench. Mm -hmm. And so far, every nomination Donald Trump has made appears to be a very good person who supports Second Amendment rights. So we're kind of excited about these appointments. He has a chance to actually nominate in this in the four years in office, uh, approximately a little over thirty percent of all the federal judgeships between the number of large number of vacancies that were left after Obama and a lot of elderly judges who are going to be retiring, wow. he can really shape a Second Amendment you know court system for us uh, over the next four years, and that's one of the reasons, Tom, why the Democrats are dragging their feet on confirmation hearings because they don't want him to be able to do that. Sure. So, obviously, I mean, that's that's the bottleneck, is it's got to get through Congress. But at the same time, at least it's better than having Hillary uh, appoint judges that are known uh, anti-gun, anti-gun rights judges, because, of course, she made it, for those who have forgotten already, Hillary made it a part of her, an important part of her platform to ban guns, some guns, the most popular guns, and she made no bones about it. I mean, every single uh, speech she made, every campaign stop, she was beating on that gun ban uh, drum the whole time. And I would submit that is one of the things, maybe an important part, that made sure she did not get elected. You're 100% right about that. Uh, gun owners turned out in record numbers in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. And those were the, that was the, the so-called blue state firewall the Democrats had to make sure they kept the White, the White House. Mm-hmm. And gun owners helped pierce that. But as a result, Tom, a lot of the Democrats now who are anti-gun uh, know that gun owners were responsible for their, their defeat of their candidate, and now they want to pick on us that much more. So uh, we're now more in the spotlight than ever. No doubt. And you know, obviously it requires us to do a lot of work in the courts, but also we're going to have midterm elections coming up, and that's going to be – and we'll blink twice and it'll be here. Exactly. And those midterm elections are very important because if the Republicans were to lose control of the Senate, where they only have a couple vote seat majority, uh, that would mean that for these confirmations for these judges that Donald Trump is nominating, they could all be in jeopardy and not make it to the federal bench. And that would be bad for the Second Amendment rights for all of us. Well, you just had a, a local case there which shows that elections have consequences on this uh, tax ruling where you have the, the court rule that is unbelievable. The, the, the court rule that basically Seattle can break the law on preemption. On state preemption and uh, put a tax in. Saying, they're saying it's a tax, not a regulation, uh, when in fact everybody knows it's a regulation. And the legislative history, the city council said that, that they put it in for the sole purpose of driving up the cost of gun sales and ammunition and, and pushing gun dealers out of the city of Seattle. And now, of course, the sad part about that is, is that it was being watched and can be copied by a number 
of cities uh, all across the country, particularly with Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun group, Every Town, uh, is already on board with the legislation pushing it all across the country. Their attorneys helped write the Seattle ordinance. So now, it's, now what happened in Washington State has become nationalized, and we're going to see new guns, new taxes on guns and ammunition in cities all across the country. Uh, I would actually put it maybe possibly a little bit different way, uh, rather than saying that this uh, Bloomberg bill or effort has become nationalized, I would say it's become weaponized, and they're going to use it around the country to attack gun owners and gun rights. Most definitely. Uh, you know, and if you live even in places like you live in Texas, it sounds great, but if you're in the city of Austin, as an example, which has a liberal city council and a mm-hmm. liberal mayor, you could be in trouble. Places like Colorado that are pretty pro-gun, but if you live in Denver, you could be in big trouble. Uh, you know, Oregon, which is fairly pro-gun again, you know, Portland, Oregon's a problem. Uh, it, 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 if you're living, you know, anywhere in the state, even if it's a, a, a so-called red state with, with good, good laws protecting gun rights, you could have a problem in these local cities. Now, do, so, I, uh, do, do, do I remember right? The, the tax there is like a nickel on every round of ammunition? It's two cents if it's a twenty-two caliber, I believe it is, and five cents for everything else. And $25 for a gun. But the problem is this, Tom. Forget what Seattle is charging. The fact that they had the right now to do so and other cities have the right to do so, it's not going to be $25 for a gun. Before you know it, it's going to be $100 a gun, $500 a gun, $1,000 a gun. That's what's going to happen here because once they – they're legally allowed to do it. There's, not, there's nothing limiting what they can charge. Sure, they can charge anything they want. And, the, of course, the goal is to ban gun stores, to drive them out of their cities. And it just goes on and on. Exactly right. Well, Alan, thank you so much for fighting this. Keep us posted on that. Uh, that that thing in Seattle is one that we all need to be paying attention to. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that at the Gun Rights Policy Conference coming up uh, next month in Dallas. We sure will. Thank you, Tom. All right, you take care, Alan. All righty. Uh, yeah, check it out. I'm going to be there. Hope that you are, too. Gun Rights Policy Conference is going to be in Dallas next month. Don't go far, because when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of the best competition shooters of all time. You use Slip 2000's full line of gun lubricants, including EWL and EWL30, because you know your guns deserve the best available. It's time to add Slip 2000's Carbon Killer Gun Cleaner. Carbon Killer dissolves carbon and lead on contact, is not toxic, and reusable. Carbon Killer works on all weapons, including handguns, rifles, and machine guns, plus silencers and compensators. Slip 2000, we're all about gun care. Learn more at Slip2000.com. In the war on terror fighting crime in the streets, in competition, and homes around the world. One name in firearms stands out, Sig Sauer. Our pistols and rifles are renowned for their unfailing performance. This same commitment to excellence can be found in our line of SIGTAC accessories and the training offered by the Sig Sauer Academy. For unmatched quality, reliability, and innovation when it counts, choose Sig Sauer. Visit SigSauer.com today. If you carry a gun, you need training. Your concealed carry class was definitely not training. But time, money, and obligations keep you from spending days at a shooting school. The trusted folks at Gun Talk can help. Concealed Carry One, our DVD featuring the Vata Group, covers what gun, what holster, how to carry, where to wear your gun, and much more. Visit ShopGunTalk.com. That's ShopGunTalk.com. Look. This really is life and death. Learn how to stay aware, 
how to get away, and how to fight if you must. At ShotGunTalk.com, you can get the two-DVD set, including Fighting with the 1911 with Tiger McKee. No matter what gun you carry, this vital training info can save your life. Learn the draw, the stance, reloading, vital gear from Gun Talk. That's ShopGunTalk.com. ShopGunTalk.com. August is National Shooting Sports Month, and you can celebrate it many ways. Find an event near you and take your friends. Cash in on the deals and discounts retailers are offering this month. Gun stores and ranges can host events. You can introduce friends and family to shooting. Get involved to help the shooting sports and the Second Amendment. To find an event, a shoot, or how to participate, visit ShootingSportsMonth.org. Pulp! Back with you here, Tom Gresham. It's Gun Talk. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk with my buddies. And uh, Rob Latham is uh, certainly uh, a good friend, but also one of the finest competition shooters of all time. Hey, Rob, did we get you off the range? Yeah, I actually got back about 10 minutes ago. It's a little warm in Arizona, so I shoot nice and early. Ooh, no kidding, yeah. Yeah, get, Get out there before it becomes unbearable. Yeah, well, I think it's unbearable all the time if you like to cool, but uh, but it's hot is hot, and that's what it is. It's what it is. You know, you, you got to train, you got to shoot, you just got to get up early to go do it, right? Right, exactly. That's okay. As I get older and older, I hate late nights. I like early mornings. Okay. Well, so what are you training for now? Where are you going next? The IPSC World Championships uh, are the week after next, I think. I think we leave next week in France. Mm-hmm. So we'll be going in there for what has got to be, see, my first world shoot was in 83, so I don't know how many it is because it's every three years, but it's been a bunch of them, let's put it that way. So you're going to be in France shooting, huh? Yeah, which is just almost kind of, you know, wait, France in shooting, that happens? Yeah, I know. No problems taking your guns in? No, actually, it's pretty easy. Um, everything got pretty much easily arranged through USPSA and through the IPSC. And really, the process, if you follow the rules, it's not a big deal. Now, you can't just go to France and take guns. You have to be going for an event. But, right. you know, we have all the right paperwork, so it's really no big deal. And there'll be somebody that meets us there. And so it's, so it's you, you can't really wear your guns on the plane, is what you're saying. Well, no, not that I wouldn't want to, but <laughs> um, but, but no... I don't think they're going to go that far and let us go that far, but uh, no. But we'll have them there, so we've oh, got to keep well, the guns locked, separate. And, yeah, that, it will be. be. I'm looking forward to it. It only happens every three years, so. Okay, well. Uh, like our how old were you when you started shooting competition? Well, the first organized competition I shot would have been in '78, so I would have been I was born seven, 17, so I'd have been 16, 17 years old, but. I mean, that's an organized actual match mm-hmm. because, in reality, uh, we've been doing that since I was 10 years old with just the family. Sure. So, so for, basically call it 40 years anyway, every yeah, bit of for, 40 years. Yeah, every bit of 40 years. You bet. Okay. And you, you've been winning championships pretty much from the beginning. And uh, every once in a while, you still scratch out one, partner. Yeah. You know, amazingly enough, every now and then they let the old dog have another bite at the <laughs> bite of the steak. And it, uh, I snuck one out again this year. and. We'll see what happens on this thing. The world shoots are always very, very difficult, so that plays into my hand for being a little, little maybe a little more consistent, a little more accurate. So let's hope that works out. 
What is it about shooting that allows, I mean, there are almost no other sports that you can be competitive at for 40 years. I don't think there are any. I mean, maybe, oh, I can't well, think nothing. of one. I can't think of one. I'm trying to. I'm trying to come with a good excuse to support something. Jim, Jim says I, chess. Chess is chess. not an athletic activity, Jim. <laughs> well, see, that's the same thing. Well, tell Jim also at my level we, we got to deem what is actually considered athletic movement. You know, because while I'm I'm moving through the course of fire, mm-hmm. when you watch the kids go through, you would go like, "Oh, that's not athleticism." But those kids are sure fast. <laughs> but yeah, but you, you still got to be able to shoot and shoot fast. That's true. The shooting's still more important than anything else, and. That's how it should be. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, seriously, uh, the oldest person to win a gold medal in the Olympics was in shooting. I think the guy was like 80 or something. It's crazy. I mean, you can shoot as long as you can stand up and shoot. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So you're telling me I've got another 30 years to go. That's right. You just keep at it. You're going to get this right, man. Guaranteed by Tom right here on Gun Tech. Y'all heard it here. That's right. (laughs) Kippy is going to slap me when she sees me next time. She says, Tom, we're not going to do this forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There is an end to this somewhere, right? There has to be an end to this somewhere. Yeah. I do love to shoot, so I hope it never ends. All right. Uh, Let me talk for a second about this is an interesting deal. Uh, I've been telling people there's never been a better time to buy guns and ammo. What do you think? Right now is the, you know, due to all the political climate and the expectations of the election and everything else, people stocked up on things. And right now is the absolute, it is a buyer's market. There's no other way to put it. You could get deals from practically any manufacturer's product. Mm -hmm. Ammo that we were, you know, waiting in line to get three, four years ago. You now you know you can buy you can buy nine millimeter ammo for a couple hundred bucks a thousand now. It's just, it's just cheap. It's crazy. I, I just clicked cheap. on the uh, I just went to the Springfield Army website. You got this deal. Purchase uh, get any uh, new Springfield nine forty or forty five. You get four magazines, a double mm-hmm. mag pouch, a right hand holster. That's crazy. Right. Well, it's it's we got lots of stuff to sell. <laughs> well, that's it. You know what? You, you, and the the issue is, I've been telling everybody. This is temporary, friends and neighbors. I mean, like, oh, this, yeah, this, this deal just got extended to the end of August, so just a few more days left. But, you know, by mid to late fall, this is this thing is probably over. Yeah, we're going to all look back and say, I wish I would have bought one of those then. That's mm-hmm. going to be one of those moments. And, you know, summer's always a little bit slower for, for a, our product lines from the standpoint that as it moves in towards prep for hunting. Sure. Uh, some products always sell the tactical stuff and the competition stuff. That's just all the time. But this is the time to purchase if you want a bunch of free stuff because we run promos during the summer. And, and you're right, it, it can't last. You know, we can't give you four magazines for nothing. We can't do that forever. Uh, four years ago, you couldn't find an extra magazine. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, and some of those mags. I think uh, maybe it's not an EMP, but I think a. a uh, XDM nine millimeter mag. I think those mags are forty bucks a piece or something. Yeah, like so, it really is nuts. So it's just crazy. Yeah. So hey, Rob, hold on a second. I got to take a, a quick break here. We're talking with uh, Rob Latham, obviously uh, one of the finest uh, handgun shooters of all time. What might surprise you to find out, he also shoots a rifle really, really well. Uh, go to Camp Perry. And if you really want to lose some money, just say, well, he's a shotgun rifle guy, but I could beat him at shot, uh, shotgun. I mean, he's a handgun and a rifle guy. I'll beat him at shotguns. You might want to leave your wallet in the truck when that happens because uh, Rob will probably take you there, too. Hey, don't go far. We'll be right back.
Live. Rob Layman has been shooting competitively for more than 40 years. Rob, I would submit to you this. It is easier to get into competitive shooting now than any time in the past for any number of reasons. What do you think? So there's, you know, you're absolutely right. There are so many organizing bodies. There's so many variants of every single sport. If you go to sporting cl- or shotgun shooting, you've got traditional trap and skeet. There's sporting clays. There's fee task. If you go to pistol shooting, you have traditional bullseye shooting. You have three-gun, which uses more than just pistols. You mm-hmm. have practical shooting run by IDPA, USPSA, all these different groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happens is pretty soon, <laughs> there's a phone going off there. That's all right. Ign- ign- ignore That's all right. it. He, you don't want to talk to him anyway. No, I don't. I just wanted to go stop making noise. So this is the time to get into shooting sports. And it doesn't even matter what gun you've got. You know, I guess I'm supposed to sit here and tell everybody to buy a Springfield Army. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't matter what you get. get yeah. You've got a gun now. And if you have ammo and stuff to shoot in it, you can get into small bore shooting, rifle silhouette, high-power rifle. I mean, in my games, I currently shoot. Let's see if I get this right. I'm currently shooting a ton of IDPA, mm-hmm. a ton of USPSA. I'm getting ready for the IPSC World Shoot. I just finished the NRA Bianchi Cup, which is action shooting. And what am I skipping? There's probably something. Well, you're, doing that, you're shooting that crazy rifle thing now and then. Right. I, well, I shoot everything. Matter of fact, uh, I, I was shooting, shooting today. I was shooting a pistol caliber carbine. Hmm. testing it out, getting it ready, because that's becoming super popular. Right. And uh, sighted in a new Saint uh, 223 from Springfield. Nice. So, now, that 9mm PCC, I got it. that's not a Springfield gun, so before we get a call coming in. I was just going to say, did you just but, leak something, man? What no, was that? No, no, no. I wish we had one going, but it's not. <laughs> I, don't know of any, I don't know of any plans to do it as of right now. It's not. It's a, a SIG MPX, which I really like. But which no, is really, really nice. Yes, it really is. nice. It's kind of like the Cadillac of those PCCs. But, man, yeah. it, though, that, that whole division of guns has become so popular because, one, you can shoot them in all the pistol ranges. Mm-hmm. Right? A guy that may not be, I'm not, not trying to down talk, but somebody may not be the best pistol shot, I guarantee you there isn't a target we put on the range you can't hit with a, with a pistol caliber carbine. Yeah, the ammo's it, cheap. It's cheap. You can shoot for a couple hundred bucks a thousand in factory ammo. Yeah. It's, it's the right time. It is, there's never been a time that's better to be a member of an organization to support the Second Amendment, support shooting, and it's just so easy to get in. You go to a local club, and I guarantee you, you'll have problems t- getting people to say, no, I'm a, I got it, I got it, I got it, I don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it occurs to me, you got a lot of people bought a lot of ammo and they were hoarding it. What they need to do is shoot it all up right now and then go buy fresh ammo because ammo is so darn cheap right now. Yeah, but why not just buy a whole bunch more and hoard it, too? I'm for that, too. I, I think we should just buy all the ammo and never shoot anything, Rob. No, I want to shoot it all the time, so they need to keep making it. So, you know, if I'm going to shoot thirty or 40,000 rounds a year, they got to keep making it. But I don't want my stock to go down, you know, so that I don't have a, you know, a good solid buffer zone of a certain level. Right. You know, when you get when you get below like five digits in your ammo, you get start to get antsy, ooh, don't you? That's a problem. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, when we get down into that level, that means something's probably run out. I well, think. I know what's happened. If you get down to that level, Kippy has gotten into your ammo. She does all the time. So we just have an agreement that she has to just tell me when she takes it because that's fine. I don't care if ammo goes away. I care when I go in there to grab a case. And it's not and, there. And it's not there. Then it's a real problem. Then we mm-hmm. have that. Hey, you know, Kip, I'm going to the Nationals tomorrow, and I just noticed we're out of bullets, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I got nothing to shoot. Oh, yeah, well, that's okay. Walmart's down the road there. Help yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to yeah. work. Yeah, I wish it was that simple. No, that stuff uh, I... 
you know, one of the things about being a being a spoiled shooter is get all, I get all that fancy stuff. Yep, 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 you know, yep. So, hey, Rob, I'm going to see you. I'm sure somewhere down the road here pretty quickly. I think we're going to be doing a little video. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. No, no, thanks for having me on, Tom. Always, always a pleasure. Rob Latham, Springfield Armory. By the way, check it out. He was talking about those new guns, Springfield-Armory.com. Buy ammo. That's what it's all about. Take somebody shooting. Have some fun.